Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And I'm Maddie Cassidy. And today we're speaking with Gemma McCowan from New Zealand King Salmon about how the country of New Zealand handled the COVID outbreak and how New Zealand King Salmon was able to pivot and uh, make some decisions to keep their business going strong during this. So, But before we get into that, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Aquademia podcast on whatever listening platform that you're using. And you can follow us on Twitter at AquademiaPod if you want to connect with us there. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Aquademia Podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. We're sitting down with Gemma McCowan from New Zealand King Salmon. How's it going, Gemma? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Great to be here. And I want to get right into it because uh, there's some cool things that New Zealand King Salmon has been doing lately in response to COVID-19 and and some pivots that they've had to take. But first, I want to talk about you. So who are you? Where did you come from? How did you get to where you are? And then we can uh, talk about New Zealand King Salmon. So I'm Gemma McCowan. I'm the General Manager of Sustainability and Brands here at New Zealand King Salmon. And I've been with the business for around eight years. Uh, I'm a Kiwi by birth, but I've lived overseas, mainly in the United Kingdom. And uh, I was very lucky to be able to return back to New Zealand in 2012 to come back to this beautiful town of Nelson, where I now live, and work for a very cool company, New Zealand King Salmon. And the most exciting opportunity I had was to return to this company to launch our fantastic food service brand, Aura King. Uh, Aura King is a brand of King Salmon that's designed specifically for the food service channel and for chefs. So we say that this is a unique breed of King Salmon designed for culinary excellence. And it's really, we've got the chef community around the world that we've developed over the years, uh, who we work with very closely. And uh, we send out this amazing Aura King to chefs in around about 18 different markets. So over the years at King Salmon, we've uh, developed a breeding program which has uh, developed unique characteristics of our King Salmon breed. So we say not only do we have a unique species in King Salmon in New Zealand, but here at the company with Aura King, we have a unique breed. And we call it the Wagyu of Salmon because King Salmon inherently has a higher fat uh, within the fish it's a very luxurious premium species and it's just amazing um, in terms of the culinary properties in terms of taste and texture and so our chef community around the world and also um, gourmet foodies around the world really appreciate the unique characteristics of the king salmon and particularly our aura king well the name is very majestic in a way when i hear that <laughs> it just seems uh, like it's above everything like- else like the yeah, king the, of the, the king name helps absolutely. Yeah. It's like the pinnacle <laughs> of the salmon species, and certainly we have the king of salmon here, and it's also the best of breed. So we've got the best of both worlds. Mm. <laughs> so, Gemma, one thing that when we were thinking about this episode was the, obviously the first thing that came to mind, especially in these times, is how New Zealand has handled the coronavirus pandemic outbreak. 
And New Zealand is kind of in the spotlight around the world right now just because of how well everything has been handled there. So I'm wondering if you can just tell us a bit about how it's been to just, first of all, be in New Zealand during this time and then on going a little further, how it's been as a, as a business in New Zealand during these times. Okay, so... It's been a crazy year, hasn't it? I know it? it's a loaded, uh, a loaded question. <laughs> phew! I have to take a deep breath and, and sort of going back and, and reviving the memories of this time. To be honest, because I mean, New Zealand's yeah, we've a lucky all pushed country. them out of our minds. <laughs> yeah, we have. New Zealand's a lucky country, isn't it? In terms of how we've gone over this COVID period, but we're, we've Definitely. still had tricky times here. But we certainly are aware there's a lot more going on in the world than in New Zealand, and we have a relative normality that we've achieved now, and I say relative because it certainly doesn't feel normal here, but I guess it's more normal here than it is elsewhere. Um, so harking back to the beginning of the year, we first became aware, as, as everyone would um, empathise with coronavirus in China, and we have a market in China for our Aura King, and we have two employees based oh, up wow. there in Shanghai. Um, and so when they went into lockdown, um, we were very anxious for our team and also were very conscious of the effect on our business in China. So, so we watched that closely, but we continued on as normal, I guess, as most of the world did. Um, and as we entered March, we became aware that this wasn't a China specific event and things are rolling out much deeper and wider than that and yeah, so I remember I guess, that time uh, it was it was very like everybody kind of felt like it was only happening in China and there was no way that it could get anywhere else so I yeah. remember that vividly and then it, it seemed like those first few weeks in March was just like the critical turning point of everything <laughs> Well, we were watching China and, of course, talking to our team over there. And we, um, when you're a little bit distant from people being locked down and the impact of that on an economy and a city and businesses and so on, you, you know, you watch it, but you are detached. Um, our team was feeding back and China was turning that corner and we were watching um, and waiting for restaurants to reopen and the economy to restart in China, you know, and Perhaps that made us a little less aware that it was going to roll out in the same way here. Um, but I guess very quickly we we took what we can from the learnings from China um, in our business and applied it. And we also had that business coming back in China, although it's a small part of our business, so quite um, not quite balancing the scales out, but very helpful that um, – China was in a different life cycle from, from the rest of the markets. So I, I think about the date, March 25, that's kind of stuck in my head because that was the day lockdown happened. And I remember taking one last walk with the dogs, thinking, will I be even able to take the dogs out and, and, and get out of the house and how long for? And uh, I ended up locked down in Christchurch away from the business in Nelson because my partner lives there. And I went for the weekend and I came back two months later in, in the winter time, which was a very bizarre experience personally. Um, so that last week of March, we suddenly realized that New Zealand was going into lockdown. The rest of the world was uh, falling like dominoes, I guess, in a similar fashion. Restaurants yeah. were closing with two days notice. Um, the government gave us in New Zealand very clear instructions. 
I, I mean, I, I think it's amazing how the government um, found that clarity in a time of chaos, and we've been very lucky. It was a harsh decision, but I guess you can see the results of that now, and we have to see how the results will be going forward. So Definitely. pretty much within two days, we had our resta- restaurant customers I mean, they started doing takeaways and then all of a sudden they were trying to clear their salmon. So there was one particular restaurant, which is very close to my heart, where, and I wasn't even in the same city as them, I was buying um, our chef's sashimi packs that he was trying to sell on the last day to clear the salmon, not knowing when he would reopen. And um, the chef actually dropped a a bunch of sashimi packs off to my mother in Auckland, who she was the one who was delegated to eat the wonderful Aura King sashimi to help out one of our chefs. <laughs> and, and, you know, in this whirlwind. That probably going, made the first few weeks of lockdown a bit better. First few yeah, days. To get, to get your remedial yeah, in Be realistic. <laughs> and, and the amazing thing was, you know, this all happened so fast. All of a sudden, restaurants were left with a huge amount of produce and some were able to freeze. And what do you do with um vegetables you can't freeze and oh crazy um and this happened around the world um so pretty much overnight um passenger flights ceased uh, or the majority of passenger flights ceased out in new zealand new zealand closed the borders um restaurants closed in new zealand only essential businesses were allowed to operate and the main place that that was obviously allowed to operate was supermarkets so our business in supermarkets in New Zealand is around about 25%, 20% of our overall business, and we were suddenly left with that. Wow. Like, wow. Um, so one of the things we did very quickly whilst being conscious of the sensitivities around everyone being locked down and only certain businesses being open was we um, whistled up an advertising campaign pretty much overnight to roll out on radio and digital to promote um, Regal Salmon, which is our retail brand in our supermarkets in New Zealand to stimulate sales. Because of course, what was going on there was um, panic buying of toilet paper and all those essential goods that people oh, felt they yeah. needed to stock yeah. up on. So the fresh oils in New Zealand. Over here. Yeah, so did we. <laughs> Crazy. We, you know, you've seen how um, amazingly our government has reacted and, and you know... <laughs> t- t- <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, we've... Uh, we're let's say we're pretty jealous that uh, your government was able to get it together. Yeah, get it together and and make the right decisions. Um, and, yeah, and, but and, we, and we, still we went through that same period of the panic buying. So yeah, yeah, so did we, and and people calmed down eventually. But in those first couple of weeks, the fresh fresh produce aisles, for example, weren't. Um, there was no panic buying of salmon, put it that way, which would have helped us. Um, mm. But gradually yeah. as things settled down, you know, it, it went back to some level of um, normality in, in terms of people, you know, looking for fresh produce and proteins, understanding that having a healthy diet was supportive in this time and all those elements. So that was yeah, a positive absolutely. for us. But in, in that first week we were scrambling, um, we were aiming, uh, because most of our salmon goes out fresh whole and so it's highly perishable with a short shelf life. So it yeah. does go out right. air freight. 
Yeah, and so um, the reliance on passenger aircraft to get our salmon to market, and those are markets like Australia, Japan, China, North America, uh, those are the main ones, and and, Mm -hmm. uh, Thailand, Singapore, Hong Kong, etc. So when you look at the number of New Zealanders and tourists coming into New Zealand and the dependence on passenger flights for freight, uh, we were suddenly stuck with even if you could have a customer at the other end how do you get it to them and and that was one of our biggest problems and still remains tricky today and of course what happened overnight was freight rates just skyrocketed for cargo because that was the only thing that air, uh, the airline companies were achieving a, a profit yeah. from because yeah there were no especially out of an island nation like new zealand yeah. it's you guys must rely so heavily on that i mean we we even do in the u.s here but we grow a lot within the country just like of general food but i can't even imagine being on an island during this yeah, and, and the other thing we do, uh, we experience is, of course, we, we grow a live animal. We care for a live um, salmon right. over, over many months and um, with, with many of our team caring for them over that time. And that's a really important and intricate process. But at the end of the day, we also um, have a limit to how many salmon we can keep in the water. So we had to implement a freezing program quite quickly to make sure we could keep the flow of salmon coming out of the water. Um, And there's all sorts of reasons behind that. But uh, yeah, it's not ideal for us to freeze a whole salmon fast with no home for it. And we we had to do that at the time because when you go down to 25% of your business all of a sudden, um, or, or well, not quite, but we went pretty low at one point. Um, and we've recovered quite fast, I'm proud to say, in terms of um, our customers around the world pivoting amazingly fast in order to find alternative opportunities. And we saw that in the US, um, whereby a amazing wholesaler in New York who would typically deal with chefs across all the New York restaurants all of a sudden had none of that and um, was taking the 100 unique species of seafood that they worked with and interacting directly with consumers either face-to-face, at a distance, of course, or via e-commerce. And we saw so many different examples of that and our teams worked very closely um, with our, our customers, our trade customers, and also our end users to help them pivot and reshape their business to continue um, achieving sales and supplying amazing seafood to to um, end users around the world Um, and I I just have so much admiration for the uh, supply chain we work with and the partners we work with with how they manage to pivot and also our own teams our sales teams out there who couldn't go and visit anyone and knock on doors or or sort of eye up a customer face to face as you used to um, but still managed to you know we lost a huge proportion of customers overnight who just couldn't buy anymore and between us and our partners, we were out there chasing down new business in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a global pandemic where your personal lives are under threat, you're locked down working from home, and you're seeking out new business to keep the company sustainable for the future. Did you find any opportunities within that, the way that you had to reshape, whether it's finding new business or or getting consumers to... uh, I'm just curious because we've talked to other companies who have have seen trends in in certain seafood species and increase in 
consumption, whether that's because that was all that was left in supermarkets at the very beginning of the pandemic mm. or just for creativity around marketing. And, and I'm curious if you tweaked or had to think creatively when it came to how you marketed. Um, and I just have notes here uh, that I'm, that I'm looking at that that kind of sparked this question, but, you know, educating people on how to prepare seafood at home. I mean, that's one of the biggest issues I think that we have before this, this whole COVID-19 even started was getting people comfortable who aren't used to having seafood at home to, Hey, you know, I went to the supermarket to get my typical steak and chicken and you know what, they're all sold out, but I see some frozen seafood or maybe there's, you know, something in the freezer case that's still fresh and available, but I'm still a little worrisome. But if there was marketing around that, that were made people feel more comfortable to pick up seafood and bring it home. Oh, we learned so much over this period. And, And I guess, first of all, going back to our base strategy, we were reassured by, um, the company's base strategy of first of all, branding and telling our story. Um, and telling our story either in a retail channel through our regal brand to consumers, which involves the education piece, or telling our story to chefs with with our Aura King brand. Um, so we're reassured that that branded, value-added sort of element is really worthwhile and continues to be worthwhile post-COVID. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, where was I going with that? Uh, and then I was going to say, and then diversification Um we have not only salmon food products for humans, but we've developed a, a pet food range under the Omega Plus brand, which is about three years old and uh, starting to get some really fantastic oh, wow. m- mileage with its health benefits for pets. And so, you know, we have a healthy product in salmon full stop and everyone knows about the Omega 3s and, and, and mm-hmm. the nutritional properties of, of salmon and particularly king salmon being a higher fat product and the good fats. Um, so through Regal in particular, we tell that health um, and nutritional message to consumers. Um, and that's pretty uh, sort of nicely settled in around people understanding the health benefits of salmon. So we've taken that concept and we've taken it into pet food because there's a vast degree of inflammatory diseases and challenges that pets have that are quite similar to humans and are often caused by an imbalance in um uh, omega-3 to um, omega-6, i.e. too many omega-6s in the diet through um, highly processed foods and things like that. So salmon with its omega-3s does help to balance out that diet. And so our pet food range is based on this balance of omega-3 to omega-6. Um, and we've been telling that message over the last two to three years in uh, New Zealand, um, in New Zealand retail as a premium fit pet food brand, and we've started branching out into export, um, particularly into China and Asian markets, but we're also looking at the North American market because we think our, our healthy king salmon treats in particular are going to be of interest to the American consumer. What are those? Oh, they're, they're these fantastic baby salmon um, around about the length of your hand that are a whole salmon treat for dogs and cats. Um, so it's amazing. So you can see the whole baby salmon in, you know, it's just in its natural state, freeze-dried, 
and then the the dog will enjoy or the cat will enjoy chewing it up and then they uh, are getting their nutrition and a treat and of course for the pet owner why why do they treat because they um, might want to give their dog or their cat you know an, an enjoyable treat but they also might be feeling a bit guilty about working away from home or whatever but Often the treats that we find in the pet food market are not nutritional and may even be an, an, a negative deficit on, on nutritional value. So mm-hmm. we've, we've bumped it up and so we're satisfying, I guess, two urges there. We've learned about that a lot with my dog. We've been, um, he's been having, he's getting older. So we're looking a lot more into his food and what he's eating. And we've realized that a lot of dog food just isn't super nutritionally valuable it's crazy it's true i'll say this though my dog's food is salmon based first ingredient is salmon and her breath is just awful all the time (laughs) it just smells like rotten fish that's the one downside that i have found with it (laughs) i think you need to try our king salmon treats because it's um, what we (laughs) what we value in our salmon whether it's for humans or for pets is that it's a really clean aroma in in our king salmon uh, you don't. You shouldn't have any rancidity or fishy taste in in not only the food that the animal or the human eats, but also the the result afterwards. So I what, recommend try you try Mega Plus at some point. I'll try anything. She lays there on the bed at night. <laughs> You're just breathing it in. It's terrible. <laughs> well, yeah. So there you go. This is this is diversification and pers- um, just in in practice because. The, the beautiful thing about starting and growing a king salmon with all the nutritional properties is you can direct it in, in many different places. So we've started with the obvious, which is food for humans, and we've got into food for pets, but we're also looking at where we can go with um, use, uh, nutraceuticals and beauty and using collagen, all that sort of thing. So watch this space on where we go further. So for us, diversification during and post-COVID is a real strength that we're going to take further. So that's um, diversification not only by product category, as I mentioned, but also by market, geography, and channel. And also, for example, we talked about air freight before. What what can we do that relies more on sea freight and is not as perishable? So we can um, have uh, we don't have our eggs all in one basket, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and Sean, uh, Sean or Justin, I can't remember who, I think you asked about um, eating habits um, uh, during yeah. and post-COVID and where that's going with trends. And we, we didn't see an issue in New Zealand in terms of proteins not being available on the shelf because we're very lucky in New Zealand. Um, the food businesses were deemed essential businesses and could continue on, but I guess the health, health and safety um, precautions we put in place not only for the country but also for our businesses to operate safely during this period has meant that there's been no issues with um, factories having to shut down over that period because of um, the virus yeah and I know that that's occurred in other countries and particularly in North America and so hence um, the production um, of proteins has been hindered and we've certainly, I guess we've benefited from that if we're looking for a silver lining in North America and that you're right, people are looking more to seafood um, and trying mm-hmm. to understand more and it's it's overcoming that barrier because the barrier of, oh, goodness, there's bones in it, I might wreck an expensive fish, I don't know how yeah. to cook it, I've only got one recipe. All those elements are around the world and, um, and of course, depending on the country and the culture and different and differing sort of levels, 
But in, in North America, I think it's really opened up um, consumers' eyes to considering fish as an alternative protein and being brave and having a go. And the other factor is people are bored. If they're locked down, and I mean, I wasn't bored because I was working like heck for the company, but there are people who can't work and are bored and wanting to stimulate themselves and get the variety and cooking is the obvious thing to do so they've got more time to try things out that's very true Um, new recipes so there was a combination of that yeah let's oh we're bored what should we do oh we have to cook fish oh we've got the energy and the time to experiment um so that's only a good thing for seafood and salmon full stop i think a lot of americans went to house projects (laughs) That was, I, I think, the 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 yes. two hour line wait in some of those big box stores that sell paint and lumber and things like that. It was, but but to your point, right. yeah, it's, uh, you know, how how can we do something unique given the current situation if we can't sure. leave our homes or we're limited to where we can travel and you know sometimes experimenting with food is a really good way to spark that imagination. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, in what we um, saw in my house and my family was yeah. less opportunity to try something new and more well there's no more excuses we can't be lazy anymore we got to get all the stuff done that we've been putting off so (laughs) (laughs) well in new zealand all the hardware stores um were shut they weren't allowed to operate so you couldn't buy paint or nails or timber or whatever Mm -hmm. so we in in our house we went until we ran out so food really is the only option (laughs) yeah yeah, well, uh, because I was um, only uh, in Christchurch for the weekend when lockdown occurred, I had dog walking clothes and summer clothes. And about four weeks in, I was pretty desperate to find some clothes because you couldn't buy those either um, to keep warm because we had an early wow. cold snap. And so the minute they let us uh, buy clothing, I was in buying my merino wool products and going, thank goodness, something new <laughs> yeah. and warm. Yeah. <laughs> So we talked about how New Zealand kind of jumped on this quickly and and made a lot of right decisions to help themselves kind of claw their way out of this this issue pretty quickly. Um, And I know no one is really out of it yet, but um, you know, you know, where I'm going with this. But you also your company in particular uh, did some great things to help other people um, and not just pivot to, to help your company stay alive. You helped feed people around the world, around the country. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's amazing the food insecurity that became evident out of this. And um, we were really aware of our position as an essential business being able to still operate. And of course, we wanted to keep our 550 team members employed and to um, keep the food chains running for New Zealand. But we were also aware of our community suffering, whether that be our community locally in Nelson and Marlborough and New Zealand and beyond into particularly hospitality. I mean, hospitality workers are not well remunerated normally. And so when this all crashes down, you're very aware of people um, struggling. And so we were able to get involved quite quickly in Australia and North America in particular um, through our supply chain channels and our partners in, I guess, what we called um, overall a feed food service initiative. And that wasn't one specific initiative. It depended on the chef and the partner we were working with. But we got involved in some fabulous community exercises overseas where we donated a variety of salmon products, um, whether fresh or frozen, I mean, particularly when there were perishable items that were out there already and we knew that they would be wasted. Why don't we donate them even if the restaurants can't be open? 
And so across across North America, across Australia, all these events were in place to give uh, food service workers either a meal or or something to take home to cook to keep them going over this time because it's just so uncertain uh, whether they even had a job long term and whether they were getting income at the moment. Uh, so we're very proud of getting involved in all those initiatives and we're very proud of our partners who who carried them out um, despite, I guess, the risk personally. In New Zealand, it was a little trickier to get organised because everything was so tightly locked down and um, yeah. we did make a donation, which, um, again, we feel very proud of um, across the top of the south, which is what we call our region, and to we focused on health workers And so we're able to work with the local district health boards uh, to make sure that we could send out uh, little care packages of salmon um, to every health worker in our region. And it went down phenomenally well. Um, And, you know, it's a small gesture in the end on an individual basis that you get a couple of portions of salmon to take home and look after yourself when you're working so hard for your community to keep people safe. And again, putting yourself at personal risk. Um, but the feedback we got from that from that initiative was amazing. And I, I guess also our team members got personal feedback because everyone knows everyone in this small region we live in. <laughs> Later on, we um, wanted to say thank you to our essential workers um, continuing to operate our factories and farms. And so um, we uh, gave a series of supermarket vouchers to keep our people fed and say thank you. But um, we also decided we wanted to help our restaurants when they were starting up again, um, particularly conscious of uh, a a six to eight week gap for restaurants in their revenue and their business operations. So we wanted to help kickstart our customers. Uh, So what we did is we arranged a a $100 voucher for each of our team members. So you take um, you take 500 odd uh, team members and so you times that by 100 and it's New Zealand dollars so it's not as much as US dollars but you get around 50 grand um, in uh, voucher values. And That's amazing. We, yeah so we assigned um, the vouchers to only customers and restaurants and cafes working with our salmon so there was a deliberate connection there and so I know There'll be team members who have spent their vouchers already. I haven't managed to get organised to spend mine, but we're just aiming to inject that cash back into economy and keep that circle going. So that that's worked out really well too. Yeah, those are just those are the stories that you know we really like to hear. And whether it's a small effort to a large effort, all of that stuff combined really is helping get people and communities through all of this. So it's really great to hear that the, the things that you've done or continuing to do. And, you know, I'm hoping that our country can, can learn from, from yours and, and hopefully try to, you know, as well, we want to get through this just as quickly as the next person and try to get some sort of normalcy back. But the seafood industry, you know, is, it was one that was deemed a necessity. It's, it's food. We needed to survive. And it's, it's been very interesting to talk to, seafood companies and really see what they've been how they've had to you know change business approaches but at the same time what they've done to to support support local and international communities to get through this this is great yeah well i have i have one more story to tell which i thought was personally quite uplifting during our lockdown period um 
And I think when New Zealand locked down, we suddenly felt a lot more uh, distant from the world. And, and, you know, these days with uh, digital communications and social media and so on, even being in a small island at the bottom of the world, you feel quite connected. And we travel a lot for work and we have our international people and market as well. So we're able to keep those connections up. But with with the thought that international borders were closed, yeah, we felt pretty cut off and locked down in our homes. And uh, our um, New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, which is the um, export body from the government, organised this amazing initiative um, with a three-star Michelin chef in Italy. His name's Massimo Batura, and uh, he's very well known around the world. And he was locked down in Italy with his family. Um, And Massimo um, has just won a prize for the show that he initiated with his daughter in lockdown on an iPhone and it's called Kitchen Quarantine and he's just won an award for for the show that came out of nothing in lockdown. And uh, New Zealand was like Kitchen Quarantine, yeah. And he runs it through Instagram or his daughter streams it from an iPhone through Instagram Live and I'm not sure if it's going now, but over lockdown, they were doing it every night. Amazing. And they would cook a, a three-course meal with amazing produce, stream it live, talk about it, and sit down to eat with people um, with a window to the world through Instagram. So what happened one particular Saturday? Um, that is so cool. Yeah. In the middle of lockdown is uh, he did a New Zealand program. And Aura King was on the program alongside some amazing tamana lamb, um, zespri kiwi fruit, um, and a beautiful Manuka Health honey, uh, as well as, of course, New Zealand wine. And it was just amazing seeing someone, a top, top chef, across the other side of the world, in lockdown in Italy, just drooling over our Aura King products and doing the most mouth-watering dish that maybe want to reach proud. through the screen and grab it. <laughs> and and the extra cool thing. Wow, and, uh, that is uh, so you know, cool. It was so uplifting. The extra cool thing was our Prime Minister Jacinda And it's Ardern. so nice that he did it just like completely unprovoked. Like he just saw it in the grocery store, knew it was a good no, place to no, get No, no, it didn't quite work like that, to be honest, it. Maddie. <laughs> no, no, it's certainly we have a fantastic network of embassies and high commissions around the world and trade people in them. So they were well connected and did make the approach and had had that connection with Massimo already. So no it didn't quite work that, quite so so uh, organically as that. <laughs> um, but um, so the cool thing was our Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, actually came on Instagram and introduced, introduced the um, event and thanked Massimo directly for doing it for New Zealand and taking our food and beverage to the world. And I was lucky enough to bump into the Prime Minister wow. yesterday at a food function where – I met her over a cup of tea, funnily enough, and I got the chance wow. to thank her. And, and she turned to me and said, Gemma, that was so fun. I would do that any day for New Zealand food. And uh, we had 1.5 million views on, on that um, on that um, Instagram feed from nice. Massimo. Um, you can't see so me get- right now, but my jaw is dropped. Yeah, and you can still see, actually, if you go on the Aura King website, you can see a condensed video of that um, I think not website, Facebook, Aura King Facebook, you can see a condensed video of that event and Massimo ooing and ahhing over our Aura King, which was just so rewarding for us. And also <laughs> oh, yeah. it just made us feel so much more connected with the world out there and there was still 
a love of our product and people out there doing cool things with our product. Um, so I guess as a personal boost for our team and saying it's worth it, this is, you know, life will go on, things will tick away. It was kind of cool. Right. Yeah, that but must I, have been a huge morale boost. Yeah. I mean, and you look at the amount of views that you get from something like that, and you look at all the benefits. Uh, I, my question would be, with that many, I mean, that's a video that I think you consider viral with that with that many views. You could probably correct me if I'm wrong, Maddie, because you're the social media expert. But that seems like a lot of views. And that, to me, shows that there is tremendous interest in the food sector, the seafood specific, and that maybe another silver lining, and I hate using that word right now in the middle of, of this pandemic, but we might be able to come out of this stronger than we were before we came in as an as industry, as a, as a whole, because we're, we've given people in specific countries like the, more access to seafood maybe, but also they're experimenting more. And I think the views of that video could, could be an testament to that. Yeah, I agree. And and look, some of the things that have come out so far for us out of COVID are really about noticing, you know, uh, our Prime Minister's line to the nation was be kind, stay safe. Um, pretty simple, but pretty powerful. And that be kind kind of uh, concept has rolled out across our nation and hopefully beyond. And that idea of it's about a sense of community, it's about giving back, it's about making sure everyone's okay, whilst also, of course, keeping an eye on the economic revival and, and continuation of the cu country, because let's face it, you do need an economy to continue even if you're caring for your community. And you can have both. Um and I think we've also seen a bit of a worry that COVID has taken over climate um, because New Zealand issued a zero carbon bill and, and, and quite strong aspirations late last year um, in, in terms of driving climate change positively for the future and being a leader in that space. And, and that's been something really important to us as a business is supporting that drive for leadership and what part um, farm seafood can play positively in the future food scenario for the world and New Zealand and I think seafood has such a wonderful opportunity in the future in terms of not only nutrition but the sustainability piece around it and we want to continue to drive that forward and some people are saying well COVID's upset that and taken over that and so people won't worry so much about climate but I think if we go back to that be kind and community feel that also factors in the environment to me as well as um, you know, think about your surroundings and how they interact with you. What what has happened with nature over COVID? Has it had a break? Yes, I think it has. Um, and what can we do? We've acted so swiftly with COVID because we've been forced to. We need to act swiftly with climate as well. So the anti in New Zealand is being upped on that basis at the moment. That's fantastic. I could not agree with that sentiment more. Hmm. But uh, the funny thing is, and I've read a couple of things on this, is that, you know, COVID was so in your face that we had to act, whereas climate creeps up on you and it's been creeping up on us for decades. And so I think right. human nature is such as you go, oh, it's not really changing. And then 20 years later, you look back and go, well, it was, but it was creeping on us, whereas COVID's just slapped us in the face. Um, so mm -hmm. I guess that's what we need to be cautious of, being a little bit apathetic because it's not changing or, or hitting us hard immediately great so we're getting a little bit low on time so i just want to i want to end with uh you know the question that we've asked a couple of of the other company reps that we've talked to on here 
because we talked a lot about kind of the pivots that you had to make and some changes that you guys have had to make, you know, in response to the COVID outbreak. Have you guys had to make any changes that you anticipate will be permanent in the future that you think, yeah, this was a good change. Maybe we should have done this earlier. Or do you think, uh, you know, when things kind of get back to quote unquote normal, uh, will some of those changes revert back to the way that you were doing things beforehand? No, I think we've we've learned a lot and we've implemented a lot, which we intend to keep. Uh, I don't think there'll be a lot of reverting back to how it was. So where we see real potential and we've, we've um, learned through COVID is I, I talked a little bit about diversification before. So making sure we're taking advantage of our salmon in a wide range of channels and categories, pet food, human food, beauty, et cetera. Um, but also e-commerce has been a revelation to us. Uh, we were fledgling in e-commerce prior to COVID. We were just dipping our toes in. And I think we, we sort of jumped in and it, the water was very icy and we've learned a bit. But we see the benefit of having quite a direct access to the consumer, direct conversation with the consumer through e-commerce so we can tell our story and we can also access the consumer wherever they happen to be with the right transport network. Um, so, so that's another learning that we're going to take further faster as a result of COVID. Market-wise, uh, we're really looking at uh, bal- balancing perishability with less perishable goods. So what can we see freight, which is also good for sustainability. Um, and so our smoked salmon range is really a market leader in New Zealand with our Regal brand. And we've made an initial foray into the US market uh, for smoked salmon and retail and and we've done well so far but we were just ticking along quietly on that and uh, now we really believe we'd like to take smoked salmon further faster um, because it is a wonderful product to send by sea um, and it also um, accesses a consumer that's different from from the diner in a premium restaurant and gives them an opportunity to try a um, amazing sort of ready-to-eat product at home oh smoked salmon is so good yeah, <laughs> especially ours with its high fat and its luxurious melt in the mouth texture. You gotta yeah, try. Yeah, that it. sounds amazing. Uh, I haven't eaten anything in like five hours, so yeah. I might have to go get some. <laughs> <laughs> well, Justin, Manny, do you guys have anything else that you want to uh, wrap a gem about? No, I, do, I I like these conversations. It's really it's good to kind of get a picture of different regions and and you know what changes had to take place to kind of get get through this current situation that we're all in and, and, and just hear some of these uplifting stories. And it was, it was a good conversation. We're glad you were able to come join us today. Oh, that's no problem. And look, at the moment, New Zealand is still closed to tourism and to and it's difficult for even returning Kiwis to come back. I hope we don't turn into Fortress New Zealand and we can open the doors again and be hospitable. But for the time being, um, I'll sign off on Kia Kaha, which is stay strong in Māori and, um, Thank you, all those listeners out there, and uh, go well. And actually, that brings up one one last point, and that is if we have any of our listeners that would like to, if they have any questions or would like to reach out to you or someone from the company, what's the best way they can do that? Oh, there's a myriad of ways. Um, we have social media channels both for New Zealand King Salmon or a King and Regal, so take a look at our Facebook and Instagram feeds. Uh, contact us through that if you like, or there's some simple email addresses on our New Zealand King Salmon website, which is www.kingsalmon.co.nz. And we'll link to all of those in our show, no- show notes. Great. Well, thank you so much, Gemma McCown from New Zealand King Salmon. We really appreciate having you 
on the show and we wish you the best of luck. Well, thanks team. Have a great day, whatever time it is, wherever you are. <laughs> thanks. Same to you. <laughs> Same to you. Okay. Thanks again. See ya. Bye. Bye. Folks, that was our conversation with Gemma McCown from New Zealand King Salmon. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. And I hope you are all continuing to stay safe and healthy during this time. Remember, if you want to talk to us directly, you can email us at podcast at aquaculturealliance.org. And follow us on social at AquademiaPod. And make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe. Five stars, five stars, five stars. Give us those five (laughs) stars. We want them all. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we will talk to you next time. Ciao. Bye.